1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: The date was November 13th, 2020. We were in the middle of the pandemic, and my son attended his first concert. You ask how? He attended it virtually inside Roblox and he was left speechless.
3: It was It was, it was, it was, it was great.
2: That's audio from my son right after experiencing his first concert. While many of us probably experienced our first concerts in a stadium, my son's first concert was Little Nas X and Roblox, like I just mentioned. And just because it happened in a virtual space didn't make it less real for him. I recently asked my kids what Roblox was and their answer might surprise you. It is basically a kind of like a community where people can play games together. You can develop
3: games, or you can play together. If you have no restrictions on, people can talk to each other. And there are other inquiries of the game that people can use. yes An example is-,
2: is trading. So what does gaming have to do with the metaverse? Well, kind of everything. My name is Kathy Hackle, and I'll be your host and guide on this journey into the unknown. This is episode three. What's gaming got to do with it? When American rapper Travis Scott teamed up with Fortnite to perform inside the game in real time for fans, it was a metaverse moment. The astronomical concert, which was attended by over 27.7 million players, made it clear that at the center of our culture core, right next to music and celebrity, was gaming. There are even those who say that gaming is eating the world. There's a business saying that says that every company is a tech company. Well, with Netflix and Peloton getting into gaming, is every company now turning into a gaming company? While video games have been around for many decades, What's new is the advancement in technology that enables games to be real-time and mapped onto our social graph. Experiences like Fortnite and Animal Crossing can be played with friends in a new digital reality, which sounds a lot like a step towards the metaverse.
4: Gaming is the sort of parent of the metaverse. We've been playing games for like so long that we've forgotten that the places that make us feel happy Are the places that we should be architecting and building as the architects of the metaverse so i guess that uh, in a nutshell i would say that there is a really nice symbiosis between gaming and the metaverse generally
2: that's kelly vero kelly is the founder consultant at core game and an industry veteran she says we're at the beginning stages of creating the metaverse Which means, it's kind of the Wild West, or as she puts it... It's a primordial soup, just like the beginning of the universe. And like the beginning of the universe, we're still laying the groundwork. Or, put another way, establishing the rules of the game.
4: What we need to do is we need to establish and ensure that everything is being taken care of in the metaverse. So that means people, safety, privacy, security... Kelly is part of a volunteer effort at the IEEE that's the
2: Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers that's working on establishing guidelines and global standards for digital assets. At the same time that we're outlining the social contract of the metaverse we're also building out its infrastructure and that's where the relationship to gaming is inescapable.
4: But I think the real thing that we rely upon in order to create this perfect metaverse. I think the thing that's going to help us drive that metaverse forward is probably the infrastructure. And that is all the software and tech that is driving or is the driving force of what we perceive the metaverse to be. People see that metaverse and gaming as being one big amorphous blob, but actually The metaverse can't exist without the software platform that gaming has tried, failed, tested, and successfully created for the metaverse.
2: We know from episode one that the metaverse isn't the same thing as the hardware that powers it. But in so many ways, the hardware and software shape our experience of what the metaverse can be. And as Raphael Brown explains, a lot of the near metaverse experiences we have today were built on the back of gaming.
3: I mean, so, so part of it is, is that you have a whole lot of game developers like myself, and frankly, the generation that came right before me. Um, you know, you have the Micah Brash and John Carmack and Tim Sweeney and a handful of others who built studios in the early 90s. And they all read Neuromancer and they all read Snow Crash. And they basically said, how do we make this? And they started you know, making real-time engines, and then they pulled the generation like me in a few years later, and we all started making it with them.
2: Raphael Brown is the CEO and co-founder of Symbol Zero, a game development studio known for building games, virtual concerts, and experiences for PC, console, mobile, and mixed reality. Symbol Zero was the Roblox concert development partner for the Little Nas X Virtual Concert and the 21 Pilots Virtual Concert in Roblox two experiences that pushed the boundaries of what a collective in-game experience could be during the pandemic. For Brown, the depth and nuance of a metaverse is always limited by the hardware used to create it.
3: The reality is that games have always been about interactivity and about how can you make something that is responsive, that is intuitive, that runs as fast as it can on the current hardware, and how do we make a world from that? And how do we teach it to the users? and so games have always been more focused on getting towards the metaverse than let's say film because we said everything has to run real time because someone has to sit down with a controller whether it's a game controller or a mouse or a flight stick or whatever and they have to be able to play it and if we can do that we can eventually get to you know this stuff and you know full suits and other things like that because the core of what we know is it has to run it has to be rendered in milliseconds. And the distance between the time when you push a button and it goes and it computes and it does a thing, or you turn your head, it all has to happen in that time. Everything, you know, you sit down and you go, this is how much time we have to render this thing and no more. And that's how much game we can make. That's how much world we can render.
2: Jonathan Glick agrees. He says while NFTs and games are important, what tends to be overlooked are the companies that will be the building blocks of the metaverse. You'll remember Jonathan from earlier episodes. He's the co-founder of the Ball Metaverse Index with Matthew Ball.
0: People tend to gravitate towards video game companies or, or towards NFTs and things like that. And those are very, very important. They are absolutely both going to be a big part of the future. But they tend to, again, overlook some of the, you know, more infrastructure-oriented companies, the ones that are providing the underlying technologies that will enable what is essentially a wondrous feat of enabling millions of people to exist in a completely believable space all at the same time. And so there tends to be an underappreciation for how much technology is going to yet be developed and invented to enable this.
2: Dirk Luth agrees. He's a co-founder of Upland, a game that he describes as the Earth's metaverse. Upland takes the topography of the physical world and tokenizes it by selling digital real estate. I see Upland as the game that Roblox, Minecraft, and Fortnite players graduate into. And it's not just real estate. There's a whole economic layer being built on upland.
5: Gaming and metaverse were always together, right? When you think about like um, in early 2000, we had uh, Second Life, which was uh, which was a big thing at that time in mid 2000s or so, which was also metaverse, it was uh, you know where you can go in, you have some immersive experience.
2: Second Life, the game Dirk refers to, is an award-winning game that was released in 2003 by firm Linden Labs. We hope to have the founder of Second Life, Philip Rosedale, in a future episode.
6: Hello everyone, and welcome to Second Life. My name is Strawberry Linden, and today I'll show you how to get started and create your own Second Life account.
2: At its peak, Second Life reached a million regular users and $100 million in annual revenue. It was an early instance of a kind of metaverse, and it was a lot like the multiplayer games at that time. Social media and the Web 2.0 era Took gaming to a whole new level.
7: I think gaming plays a very important role in creating the metaverse because one of the early discussions that I had with Tim Sweeney about the metaverse was that he believed, and I I kind of agree with this vision, that gaming will be kind of the initial, the initial foot in the door that gets people into the virtual space and to collaborate with one another and to share a similar experience. But ultimately, that game will follow, it will be kind of like a, an afterthought. And that the social aspect of the metaverse will be far more important than the initial game that was created that brought them there.
2: Anshul Sag is the senior analyst at More Insights and Strategy. He says the social aspects of games are what make them sticky in the first place.
7: But I think that you'll see more and more people kind of sharing gaming experiences with one another and creating a highly social aspect of the game that ultimately creates the stickiness that keeps people in the metaverse. And, you know, if you're looking at a lot of the games that are available today that are online, multiplayer, they have lots of social aspects to them that make them much more sticky than just simply playing the game. And I think that's kind of been born out of the fact that multiplayer games have become more immersive. And because of that, you want to still have the social aspect because immersion can be isolating and there's only so much isolation people can put up with. And eventually they want to have more human interaction And that's why I think that, you know, social gaming is really what will drive the metaverse.
2: Craig Donato agrees. He's the chief business officer at Roblox, overseeing business development and developer relations. For Craig, the social aspect is one of the defining features of the metaverse.
0: Yeah, you know, when we think of the metaverse, I think of it as essentially a medium of shared experience. It's a place that you go in the digital world to do things with other people. And one of the things that people are doing, and probably the, the most common now, is they're having fun with other people, they're having adventures, they're doing something that people call gaming. Now, a lot of times on Roblox, people think of us often as gaming, but the experiences don't necessarily naturally fit into what a game is. It's A lot of our experiences aren't competitive. You just show up and do things with other people. You go to a desert island and hang out, or, you know, go to a concert and just, hang out. So, you know, I think gaming is one of those things that people like to do with other people. They like to have fun. But I think, you know, the metaverse will, will involve gaming. It will involve consuming different forms of entertainment, music, video entertainment. It will involve education. It will involve work. It will involve all the different types of things that we do with people in the real world will eventually find their place in the metaverse. I think gaming is kind of the the first big social interaction or social experience that's kind of made its way into the Metaverse.
2: Throughout my conversation with our guests on the relationship between the Metaverse and gaming, one thing came up again and again, and that was that gaming was just the beginning, the jumping off point for the Metaverse as we'll experience it in the future. Take Alice Dillahunt, for example, the Chief Digital Officer
1: and Chief Content Officer for Ralph Lauren. The gaming industry is the earliest adapter of the concept of the metaverse you know i think the metaverse will expand into many extensions and aspects of our physical lives and the worlds that we live in and from craig
2: donato from roblox
0: i think that one of the reasons why you know gaming may be the first instance of the metaverse is that it's this young generation that's really leading the way is very much a native is very much natural to what's going on here and and of course their first experience with this will be gaming but as they grow up, as they mature, it's going to be very natural that they're going to take w- take it with them. And it's going to involve much more focus on things that are more work-related or enterprise-focused. I-, I think this is a fundamental shift in how people are using the internet, using digital media. And I think it's kind of hard for us as adults to look at it and really understand it. I think of like my mom and mobile, right? How she fundamentally didn't get it for quite some time. And I think it's the same thing for us. And I think that's at Roblox, we spend a lot of time really trying to follow our community, understand our community, because this whole thing is is being guided by this new generation.
2: Michael Wagner also told me that gaming was just the beginning.
6: I think of gaming as really the the tip of the spear for us. It's an entry point. It allows us to attract users. You know, gaming is largely about escapism and entertainment.
2: Michael is the co-founder and CEO of Star Atlas, a space-themed grand strategy video game built on the Solana blockchain.
6: It's a way to get outside of reality for the, a period of time while you're actually playing. Now, that presumes that the gaming experience itself is fun, and it's something that you want to associate yourself with, You know, whether it be daily or weekly or, or whenever. And so what we're kind of creating through Star Atlas and, and through the Star Atlas game concept are the first features that would at- attract people into Star Atlas. It's the things that you know makes people want to join in the first place. But again, the, the future of this really expands and extends out into a whole variety of activities and experiences that people can engage in. However, it's kind of a necessity to reach critical mass. We want the initial user base. We can attract them through entertainment value. We can enhance that through the play-to-earn and the play-to-own model, where people actually own their assets and are able to derive income off of it and monetize their time, which further encourages them to spend more time in there, as well as potentially recruit more people. So I really do think of the game itself as the initial concept that will allow us to grow our user base. And we've already, I would say, successfully accomplished that, growing many thousands of percent over the last month, even in our user base.
2: Michael mentioned the play-to-earn and play-to-own model, two concepts that a lot of people are talking about. Well, in-game currencies have been around for a long time, What's happening now is that in-game currencies are connecting to real-world value in a never-before-seen way. At their core, what these new models speak to is how classic gameplay is merging with complex economic systems. Enter the blockchain.
1: Play-to-earn is a concept that has, frankly, been around for a long time. It's not particularly new. Eric Kent Awachitkudo is the founding and managing partner of
2: Audacity, a crypto VC fund investing in Black and African led startups worldwide.
1: But it is this notion that we are exposed to play, we're exposed to games, we're exposed to things that are entertaining to us. And the value of that is actually quite great. And so we can then be rewarded for the value that we're creating, particularly for digital platforms and technologies. We can be rewarded with things that are essentially valuable. So in past iterations, it could have been, you might get points or rewards in a game. You might get ranked higher in a game and therefore unlock super special perks. But in the crypto world, which is where I position myself mostly crypto and blockchain and investing in entrepreneurs and companies, play to earn takes the form of you being able to play a game and it shouldn't be limited to just games, but currently it's popular in games where you get to play games and your activities, your milestones, all the different things that you're doing actually lends itself to very valuable rewards in the form of NFTs, in the form of tokens, in the forms of things that actually have a current value beyond and outside of that game. It could be valuable to the player, valuable to the gamer, which they can then leverage as a crypto asset for various other things. So if you're playing a game, and you're doing amazing in the game, you're maybe even as you're playing the game, you're designing your avatar or you're specialized in your experience and the sort of material value of those various activities that you're doing in this game lends itself to a crypto asset, be it in the form of an NFT, a token or otherwise, you can actually leverage that because those things are now in a wallet that are connected to this game. You can actually leverage that for various other things outside of that game that are more native to the crypto world that can enable you to earn more value and earn more assets and earn more money and earn more capital in worlds outside of that game. So an example of that is Axie Infinity, which is created by Skype Mavis. There are many more examples as well, but essentially there's a game where you essentially get to play games and play a game called Axie Infinity and you earn a crypto asset. And the value of that is that it actually in Southeast Asia, predominantly in Vietnam and the Philippines, the value of that asset has grown so much in just a short period of time that if the gamer were to acquire that asset and or get that asset, the value of it is so high I think for some people it's actually more than they could earn in their physical world as general uh, wage worker and so as a result playing games and earning assets while you're playing in the game can become another source of income it can be an alternative to wage working or low wage working or or just generally people who find income sources through traditional means it can be an alternative way to acquire money and in some cases acquire wealth play to earn is a similar concept at the end of the day if we're speaking specifically in crypto crypto is essentially equity and in- any way you want to call it, it's more or less a share if you think about it. And that gets complicated with the SEC, but otherwise it is a piece of ownership of something. And so if you're playing a game and you're getting a crypto asset, be it an NFT, a token of some sort, you're getting a piece of ownership of something. And that means you can play, you can be playful and still build your ownership portfolio. You could build your wealth portfolio. You could build your asset portfolio. So this is how finance and money and entertainment are actually coming together. So that's what play to earn and play to own means, specifically in a crypto world, specifically within gaming.
8: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role.
7: absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness because one purchased equals one donated.
8: Wow. Did we just write an ad? Yes.
1: Bombus. big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
2: As Eric explains, the metaverse is building new kinds of means for economic exchange and gaming is a huge part of that. That said, Many disagree on whether or not existing games like Fortnite can be considered metaverses. Here's Jamie Burke, the CEO and founder of Outlier Ventures.
8: If there is one thing that you could define the metaverse to be singular, it would be this unifying economic system. So for me, that's why I think crypto and what you might regard as Web3 and blockchain-based technologies as far as I'm aware, is the only economic system which is open, permissionless, unifying, and allows for economic interoperability across platforms. And so to follow that line of thinking further, you could argue that anything that is not connected to that unifying meta-economy is not part of the metaverse. So I would say Fortnite is not part of the metaverse. It's a brilliant game. Of course, it's enjoying huge success, but all value is locked in this one experience. I'd say the same is true for Oculus. And so I would argue that for something to be regarded as part of the metaverse, an instance of the metaverse, it must allow for economic interoperability.
2: We talked about interoperability in episode one, but to refresh your memory, it's the idea of pervasive presence across platforms. Right now, a digital asset you pay for or earn in League of Legends isn't transferable or even valuable in other games, which makes it a closed system. This is one of the huge challenges for moving the metaverse forward. The promise of blockchain is that it can be the agreed-upon ledger for transferring not only money, but also assets from one digital universe to another.
6: So mid-2020, we started coming. We started having these discussions, and what we determined at the time was that you know, There was a real opportunity to create a product that would be attractive to a mainstream audience. And so we set out to develop the first or amongst the first video game concept that would be developed to a triple A quality standard using Unreal Engine 5, yet incorporating and enhanced by all of the financial mechanics that become available through blockchain itself. So things like NFTs, which produce... Uh, full asset, true asset ownership for the player and crypto native assets, allowing the the players to not only earn, but allowing those earnings to transcend the digital world, the gaming metaverse, into the real world.
2: That's Michael Wagner again, talking about Star Atlas and its connections to blockchain. Like Star Atlas, Upland is also a blockchain-based game that's able to give users...
5: What is called true ownership so once we gave them or once they purchased a property from us or an nft from us we cannot take it away from them anymore that is you know which is which is also what is so new which actually opens up a completely new type of genre new type of paradigm especially also in gaming because gaming was to be that you can only were able to extract the say the entertainment value but now with NFT blockchain-based games, now you can also extract monetary value. And in our case, is it because we are, you know, we really want to go for, um, you know, the mass audience for the average user, right? In our cases, you can actually extract U.S. dollars. So we have a partnership actually with the aforementioned uh, Second Life um, that a subsidiary called Telia Pay, and what you can do is once you own an NFT, you can sell that NFT to other players in the game for U.S. dollars.
2: But others in the gaming industry disagree. Earlier in the episode, we heard from Raphael Brown. For Brown, NFTs and blockchain are not the holy grail. In an email Brown sent me, he wrote, Cloud tech for games is robust, with more than a decade of tech stack growth. Blockchain for games is half-baked currently. And NFTs for web games are a joke waiting for a punchline in 2022. For Brown, put simply, The Gaming NFTs Emperor Has No Clothes, showing that there is still a lot of debate and differing opinions in the gaming industry. (laughs) So much of the internet culture has been driven by fun and games, so it makes sense that the next evolution of our digital lives will continue to be shaped by gaming culture. Gaming, especially multiplayer games, have paved the way for the metaverse of the future, especially in terms of the infrastructure. But most of our guests agree that gaming is just the beginning. Once we agree on an economic system for transferring money and ownership, a whole new world of opportunity will probably be unlocked. While early experiments are linking the blockchain to gaming, there's still no universal standard or rules for the metaverse, which makes it messy and hard to pin down. I always joke that parents nowadays all work for Roblox and Fortnite in some way, because a lot of our money goes to buying Robux and B-Bucks. So while for some gaming seems like only child's play, this couldn't be farther from the truth. Just look at the numbers. According to 2021 research from Statista, 38% of video game players are ages 18 to 34, and 7% are 65 years and older. In 2021, women accounted for 45% of gamers in the US. Two of every five people across the world is a gamer. Let that sink in. Two out of every five of you is a gamer. I never considered myself a gamer because I wasn't playing Call of Duty like my brother, until I realized I was in fact a gamer. It's just that my taste in gaming is slightly different and my preference is not really first-person shooters. Gamers are not the minority that many TV shows and movies depict them to be. They are not only your kids, but also your aunt, friend, and possibly your grandma. And gaming is indeed one of the ways that we start to see those first glimpses of the metaverse. But it's not all fun and games in the metaverse. In our next episode, we will explore identity in the metaverse. And things are about to get a little more interesting. The Metaverse Marketing Podcast was brought to you by Adweek. It's hosted by me, Kathy Hackle, and edited by Divergent Productions. Amanda Costco is our executive producer, and Nick Gardner is Adweek's production director. If you're listening to us on a podcasting app, you already know how to get your podcast. So please subscribe to this one. If you're on Adweek's website, consider subscribing to the podcast by searching Metaverse Marketing in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Tune in next week for episode four of eight, as we continue down the Metaverse rabbit hole and explore the future. You're listening to Adweek's Metaverse Marketing hosted by Kathy Hackle. If you have any questions or feedback, you can send an email to podcast at adweek.com. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you in the metaverse.
3: Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company?